I'm Tariq. Okay. Uh, is there anything else there? <laughs> but no, you, you say now. You say your name. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I failed already. It's okay. Um, yeah, um, I'm Ben, and I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Tyreek, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Um, Tyreek, I make video games. Still? Yeah, still. Unfortunately, now it's pretty great. And I also made a collection of music songs that I put on the internet last year. Uh, if you go to errorwithanf.com, you will find them. Uh, they have me singing in them. That's a good domain name. <laughs> Thank you. And Ben, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Uh, my name is Ben. I'm a channel marketing executive now. Um, I, work as a, I work for a publisher, video game publisher, and work on narrative video games. Our recent release was Citizen Sleeper, which was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I haven't played Citizen Sleeper, but killer trailer. Really good trailer. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. you should pass on my compliments to whoever was involved with that. I absolutely will. You might also want to – well, by the time this, this goes out, it'll be too late, but you might want to keep an eye out um, on Sunday at the PC Gamer Show. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if, if whatever is going to happen is going to happen before this comes out, you can just say what it is. Uh, no, I'll keep it a surprise. It's more fun okay, that that's fine. Uh, what, is, what does channel mean in your job title? I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I manage all, all the storefronts. So, like, for for Steam, Epic, um, GOG, uh, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah, make sure those are, like, the, the, the store copy is all nice, the screenshots, the key art, all that stuff. Manage all that kind of stuff for my product managers um, and the, dev the developers. And I also handle, um, like, when games go on sale. So I organize uh, sales and um, make sure that things are going on, on sale for a period of time so that we, we have regular sales throughout the year. Um, and yeah. ev events as well. I um, helped out with uh, managing Ludo Naricon this year for the first time, and that was really awesome too. Nice. So it's like a big Steam event um, where it's all focused on uh, narrative games. Yeah, very cool. Running the Steam store page is like a, a surprisingly big job oh, if, you've never, if you've never done it. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun one. It's a fun one. It's, oh, yeah, do you enjoy it? That's good. I'm glad somebody I do. does. I mean, you'd kind of hope I would, wouldn't you? Um, but you can kind of like get really into deep diving with stuff like with all the data and things like that that they have in there. Um, yeah. All the little bits and pieces. Um, and it, so it's nice that there's, you know, that this role has got like a specific person to be able to d dive into that for for developers and um, you know see how can how can we help our devs um, you know with uh, getting more more visibility on on those storefronts and things like that and it's a interesting always interesting kinds of challenges that we have to look at because being an indie like getting exposure i hate that word getting visibility is such a, a difficult thing nowadays with all the games that are coming out constantly so yeah yeah definitely hey anyway that got too boring so <laughs> it's okay we're good we're, this is the show's all about boring moments <laughs> <laughs> okay. is it? what a relief <laughs> i've been listening wrong then <laughs> yeah well we cut the parts out but like that's where the real show is. Is is the it's the, like the, the notes you don't play. <laughs> yeah, the conversations you don't have uh, <laughs> or, or don't hear. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, are we ready to start on some topics? I can dig it. Sure. Tyreek, your topic is which real life occupations are the closest thing to actual adventuring, and would you want to do any of them? Yeah, this is like a thought that has occurred to me on and off over the past, you know, for for quite some time now. Actually, is just like. Whenever I watch, I guess, like, a nature documentary, I just imagine the people that actually, like, went out into the wilderness and got those shots of animals in the wild and stuff. And, you know, also sometimes they have, like, behind-the-scenes uh, situations on how they how they actually film the stuff and, like, you know, camping out and, or like, you know, basically, like, trying to find these moments and stuff. And it always seemed like one of the closest things that exists in our real world to adventuring as, as it is conceived of and perceived of in, you know, media and games and that sort of thing. It's just like going out into these wild places 
and trying to like find or capture a moment or something along those lines. Uh, and it always just seemed like one of the coolest things ever. Uh, and the other one that I can think of is, uh, I can't think of the term like, like, uh, uh, ecologist, like, but like field ecologist or whatever, like people who just like go out into the field and study animals and stuff. That's always just seemed like one of the coolest jobs to me of just like, yeah, I, I get to go on literal real life adventures uh, and be exposed to sometimes actual health hazards and threats. But yeah, those are the those are kind of the two that, that spring immediately to mind. But it, it's something that I've always kind of wondered, like, like whenever I play a game or like watch a movie that that is very adventurous in tone is just like, OK, what what's a close to life analog that somebody could experience to get this sensation in reality. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, even they're still making movies about like discovering lost cities and that sort right, of thing. Yeah. 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 But like the age of exploration or the age of discovery ended hundreds of years ago. Exactly. There's some of that, like people who study, like go under un, in submersibles mm-hmm. and study like fish underwater Marine biologists, yeah, maybe. Yes. yes, yes, that sort of person. Yeah, yeah. But what what also comes to mind is like uh, adventure sports or extreme sports. Oh. oh yeah, there are some people who are paid to rock climb. For example, I watched a a documentary called Dawn Wall, which I actually really recommend. The, the story of Dawn Wall could be its own topic because it's just ridiculous. It's like four different documentaries that could be made that all happened to the same person. Oh, wow. <laughs> like one of them, the, the main one is about uh, these two guys trying to find a new route up the Dawn Wall in Yosemite, a particular wall that hadn't been climbed by hand before. Right. Uh, and that is like a lot like speedrunning, actually. It's just like, you don't, no one needs to, no one needs to climb the wall in this new way, but they want to invent, they, they invented this new way to do it. Or this new particular patch of the wall that hadn't been climbed before, they were the first to do it, which is, you know, and they spent years researching it and practicing it to make it happen. Um, And so I would say that's a, it's it's very like a micro level, like, like how how in science got upended in the 20s by relativity, like Mm. it it was all suddenly we're doing all sorts of new big science. Mm. Uh, and now we're back down to the little sciences again, where like a tiny discovery is all you can do because uh, because that's all that's left to discover. Like we've discovered all the big parts of the world. All that's left is the tiny parts to discover. Yeah. Drawing the, the parallel between between that sort of thing and speedrunning is actually really interesting because speedrunning kind of has operates under the same rules, right? Where like somebody will do something and then it'll like open the floodgates for everybody else to be like, Oh, this is a new thing we can do for once. Uh, after, yeah. after having settled the, the, the pattern as everybody, you know, settled into the pattern before. Uh, and then there would be like a bunch of new discoveries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't considered sports stuff and just like, I would say for fun, but like, is that, kind of, is that sort of the thing that they, that, that one does for fun or is it like, to be the first to do it, you know, kind of for for the uh, for the prestige of of having the title of having done it, you know. I think it would be really hard to spend five years rock climbing if you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it, you know, in the same way that you would you would have to have like some kind of uh, desire to to speed run in a, in a video game, for example. I can't imagine you not wanting to do a or in fact like climb. a lifetime of rock climbing, which is actually what happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say like, is it is it fun or are they compelled to do it by some dark force within themselves and they hate every minute of, minute of it, <laughs> like like smoking or something like that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. Another one just pop, just popped into my head, uh, which is something that I absolutely would not want to do, which is like war journalism. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's or or. Going to war. Or going to war, exactly. Yeah, like being a soldier and that sort of thing. Those, those seem like also, and and maybe more appropriately, like a lot of the things that, that uh, our myths decided are adventuring uh, have an element of combat or conflict or, you know, war-likeness to them. 
And so it makes sense that actual war or, you know, being present in, in a conflict zone like that would run uh, pretty close to feeling adventurous. Yeah. But. Yeah, we'll get back to this topic in the poem. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Would you uh, Would you like to talk about uh, talk about something else? Yeah, let's 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 continue onward. Sure. Uh, ben, your topic is getting a tattoo has somehow mo- motivated me to be healthier. Yes, and this is one hundred percent true, and it's so very weird. As you may remember, we had a uh, we had we are still having a pandemic, um, but uh, for a couple of years, because I'm down in in Melbourne in Australia, our state went into lockdown um, for quite a few quite a few months. Um, it was about eight months initially um it was and then we we went back out again and then we went back down into lockdown again for a bit and then around august um we were like okay it's 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 done again it's it's we're okay to go outside and see people and everything um but anyway during this time my uncle uh passed away it was um unrelated to to covid it was uh it was just he was he got quite old and um and passed away and everyone had been uh had had uh, come to terms with it and had accepted it and all that kind of stuff. So, but he was uh, he was uh, motivated me to do things like that I usually wouldn't. Like he got me to get my uh, my first eyebrow when I was when I was uh, a late teenager, and I came back uh, from interstate, and my dad was uh, was livid. It was great, um, but um, he had uh, my uncle had uh, like tattoos all around the side of his head. Um, in, and he was like in his seventies at this point. And so yeah. How did the how did the tattoos hold up? Uh, like how do they look when you're in your seventies? They looked still really good. Like well, wow. I mean, t- to be fair, he did get them like later. I would say like fifties or sixties. So yeah, but he, okay. they were still looking really good. But yeah, uh, as we were like um, you know celebrating his life and things, um, I realized you know I've been thinking about getting a tattoo for about four years um, of a particular video game because of course a video game because I'm a massive nerd. um but and I was like you know what why not so I drove down um to to a, a tattooist that friends had recommended um and checked out the place and talked to the guy and um yeah we booked in the session and it's like okay it'll be booked in for for August it's like great and um and then another lockdown happened <laughs> so <laughs> we had to reschedule that and it became December um and I walked walked into the tattoo place, um, and he's got you know he's got the art ready and everything. I get the the thing is, um, I found I've generally found with tattoo artists is they won't you, you can talk to them and be like, oh, I'd I'd like this concept. Here's what I'm thinking, blah blah blah, and they're like, okay, I I can't show you this until the day, um, and then we can make changes because if I show you drafts and iterations and things like that, I'll never get anything done because I've got so many different tattoos to do. So I'm like, okay, okay. So I just had faith in them that they were going to do something cool. Um, so I came into the tattoo place and I'm expecting this to be about the size of my hand, you know, my palm. Um, and they bring, they bring the sheet to put onto my arm for, to put the stencil on. And it's like, oh, this is going to cover my entire like top half of my arm. <laughs> so I'm like, That's intense. Well, I'm here now. So, uh, yeah, I guess we're going through with this because I don't want to. I don't want to rebook again. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, this because I was doing like multiple sessions to get this tattoo done. My friend and I, this tattoo artist who has since become my friend, uh, we got talking, and um, he's structured the tattoo in such a way that like it certain parts of it are placed on certain parts of your like your, your muscles and and things like that, so it won't stretch or distort when it when, if you know, if you exercise and your your muscles get bigger, um, it's all it's all designed to flow correctly around a different like uh, musculature, I guess is the right word. Um, so you know, like biceps and triceps and shoulders and things like that. That kind of got me thinking. It's like, well, you know, I would I would like to look I would like to look better. I have it, you know, I've never never into health or anything like that. Like I got into video games because I hated sport. You know, I was very much a a person who's like much much more of an indoors person uh, i started i started doing going to gym in february um and then i started doing olympic weightlifting with my um my friend and his brother um my tattoo friend because his brother is a paramedic who does olympic weightlifting competitively and that's 
now a thing I do. <laughs> um, not competitively, but I learn how to do it. So, like, you know how there's, like, the clean and jerk motions and the, and the, the snatch motions that you see in the Olympics? Um, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's crazy. It's, it, I've, I've gone from being, like, a person who could barely lift anything and now I'm, like, throwing, like, 30 kilos over my head, you know, in, in a one solid motion. Uh, it's yeah. And it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a very interesting um, sport as well because like you have to learn how to do all of these um, techniques correctly. And there's all these different bits and pieces to them that you have to put together and you have to not think about putting them all together. You have to just, uh, you have to learn all the steps and then be so practiced at it that you can just do the whole motion in one go without having to think about it. Does that kind of make sense? Um, I think so. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like you're, so, you're developing muscle memory, I guess. Muscle memory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For example, you need to um, brace your, um, your core so that you don't hurt your back when you're lifting, you know, because you don't want to put out your back. And when you're lifting, you want to use your, your legs and your thighs to lift because they are, much much stronger the, uh, than your back when you when you do do your lift you you want to um, sort of sort of jump midway so that you can get yourself as far underneath the bar as possible so that you don't have to lift it as high with your arms so you can so you you do this sort of like spring motion in one you're kind of like com- compressing yourself inwards as you hit the ground and then you can lift it upwards and it's it's easier that way because there's less height to get over to the top of your head it's yeah it's really really interesting yeah if you were doing like a deadlift that would be uh probably a pretty small relatively small set of muscles that you were working out but it sounds like that's much more like a full body exercise that's exactly right yeah um and um since i've been going to the gym and talking to like fitness instructors about like what i'm doing they're like they're they're, i it it's so funny fitness nerds are the best it's so good (laughs) um uh, it's it's just adorable. Their eyes light up, and they're so excited to be able to talk to someone about fitness who's like, <laughs> who's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I doing things right? They're like, oh my god, I'd love to talk to you about fitness and this. And they're like, they're doing doing Olympic weightlifting is so good for you, and, and you know you're getting a, get a full body workout, and this is going to help you so much, and it'll help with your posture and this and that. And that just they're just so excited. Yeah, and I went to the sports nutrition place to get like some protein powder as well. Trying to like uh, get enough uh, protein in the in the day because that's that's a thing I have to do now, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I didn't have to used to do before. Or it's like you know I'm working these muscles and they've gotten bigger over time. Which um, because I've been taking photos of myself in the bathroom just like over <laughs> the course of every every month. Well, it sounds funny and it sounds silly, but it's like I need to. I'm I'm hanging around my own body all the time, right? I don't see the difference, you know. Mm. Um, and if I take a photo of myself in the same position at in the bathroom, like every month, it's like I can see, like over the course of a couple of months, just how drastic the the changes have been. Like looking at myself with my um, when I first started, and it's like I had quite a quite a big gut, and like my arms were just like the shape of them was very smooth and now they've kind of like rounded out and um you know i can i can see definition in my shoulders which just wasn't there before it's like it's very surprising for me as like someone who's never been physically fit so this was all like because you did one thing that made you improve your appearance yeah yeah and it's just kind of snowballed from there yeah i relate to this a lot except for the except for the part where you actually like went out and started exercising (laughs) 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 like i i for for, because like for the longest time uh like you know when i was a a, a younger lad and whatnot uh I, i i saw the like the idea of of like caring about one's appearance kind of just was like yeah a little silly to me like and it never really made made a whole lot of sense to me, like why people like put so much effort and stock into just how they appear. Yeah. And then you know, as I got older, I was like, oh, okay, I should probably stop looking like a slob, uh, and you know, just wearing <laughs> these hot topic like t shirts, hand me downs with holes in them and stuff like that everywhere. Um, yeah. And I started, you know, kind of. And also part of it was like, you know, just being an artist and somebody who 
really likes character design, I started thinking to myself, mm. like, okay, I can, you know, it's not that hard if I treat myself as a character design <laughs> to actually dress <laughs> right. in a way that's kind of nice, you know? Now, I mean, I'm not the most fashionable person in the world or anything like that, but I do try to at least, like, take some effort whenever I, like, go out to, like, basically, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a character design today and see how if I can, oh, how cool. well I can match or, like, you know, if, if these things go together well and that sort of thing. Um, and suddenly the idea of looking good just made so much more sense because I had always mm -hmm. seen it as like this kind of like shallow thing that you do for other people, but it feels good to me as the person yeah. to actually, you know, look in the mirror and be like, that's a good looking guy, you know, like, uh, like looking all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just as a continuation of that thought, I've been wanting to get more in shape lately. And like, uh, mm. I've noticed the, the thing that I always feared would happen is finally happening, which is that my metabolism is slowing down and I can't eat yeah. anything that I want anymore and still stay, you know, the same weight which had been the case for you know most of the entire most of my life uh, i never really had to pay much attention to what i eat because i'm just a skinny guy and you know i can get away with whatever yeah. and now suddenly i'm like oh there's a, a portion of meat on me that wasn't there before <laughs> and yeah and i'm like oh no this is gonna ruin my aesthetic <laughs> the most delicious portion yeah, that happened to me in my mid thirties. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, now there's like a a big a big belly for me. Where did that come from? Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? yeah. it's it's like and, it, um, it's just sneaking up though. Like, yeah, and it, and it got to the point like actually, um, you know, a couple of years ago, where my my mum, who's like just the the kindest lady and very tactful and stuff, just like you're getting you know you're getting a, a bit fat there you know which mm, right. is like a polite way of saying like oh this is really not good because you know like i had i was wearing t-shirts and they were like just stretching stretching right. on me and stuff it's like and i didn't realize again until i've been doing exercise and um you know the 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 um uh, the body's changed shape like i'm 98 kilos now um and before i was 94 but I, you know, I had all this fat on me. Um, and it's, it's so strange how like sort of weight has moved around. <laughs> mm, right. It's, it's just such an odd, odd experience yeah, to, to feel. Yeah. That's really cool though. Um, much, yeah, yeah. Um, much like getting a tattoo actually. Um, and there, there's a thing that they tell you where they're like, you never get one. And I was like, nah, yeah, right. Whatever. You know, I'll just get this one and that'll be fine. And, um, then like, uh, two weeks later after we were done, um, cause during the sessions I was, I was like, oh, my friend thought I was getting a Meowth tattoo cause I like Meowth a lot. And I'm like, uh, but I could never do that cause you know, I don't like the idea of this, this cute Pokemon on me. And he's like, ah, oh, I'd love to do a Gigantamax Meowth and do, make him look like a, uh, like a Japanese style dragon. I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, yeah, that's very good. That. And so now I have like a, uh, on my left arm, I have like a full sleeve of a Gigantamax. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I was going to say, I also kind of wanted to talk to you about the tattoo stuff because like in a similar, in a similar vein, like I've, sure. like, I've, I've wanted a tattoo since I was like in high school. Uh, yeah, right. But I've never gotten one. Uh, my mom who is one of my favorite people in the world is very against tattoos yeah. and i've oh, like yeah. always just been like i don't want to disappoint her or anything like that a hundred percent it was a hundred percent the same for me but uh yeah. but like yeah. lately and again because like because of the, this like notion of like oh i actually like care about the way i i appear and like mm -hmm. I, I i'm starting to want to cultivate a certain aesthetic within myself then you know that yeah. sort of thing uh like I've just been really jonesing to get my first tattoo. Uh yeah. and I've I'm like looking at artists and trying to find somebody like nearby who who's who's who yeah. I think would do what I want in the style that I would want it in and that sort of thing. Um yeah. and as as soon as I find a person, you know, uh, that I'm I'm just going to jump on it probably. But um absolutely. But yeah, like like I I I guess I hadn't considered the fact that like yeah, the tattoo artist would have to know 
what is going to age well and and what mm-hmm. is going to grow well and and take that into account and anatomy and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah yeah like like that's something that i had kind of like assumed that like okay that's something that that i'm just going to have to make sure that if i were to get a tattoo i would have to get it in the right place and have to have it like like i would just have to never change my body after that i guess <laughs> you know yeah no you uh you hopefully i mean the the tattoo artist you choose hopefully should uh know that kind right of yeah, stuff. yeah 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 my understanding is that like you you worry a lot about your first tattoo and then after that like you think of a joke one morning and you get it as a tattoo <laughs> that afternoon like that's how casual it gets that is exactly what's happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know like this um this first one i got um the sh- the right shoulder shoulder the right uh arm i've been thinking about it for about 4 years um, and it's a tattoo of, um, this character, uh, called Ark from a Super Nintendo game called Terranigma. Mm. And, um, basically what happens is, um, in the game, he opens Pandora's box and accidentally destroys the world. So he's got to go on a journey on his own and, um, recreate it and restore the world. And I got that cause I was like, you know, there's been times when I've, I've had to do things all on my own and I haven't had to, haven't been able to rely on anyone else. And so now I've, at least I've got. I've always got someone with me. So, yeah, so there's a bit of symbolism there. And then it's like, now I'm going to get a meowth. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like, it's kind of the same. Like, where it's like growing up, it was like, oh, whenever I would mention the idea of tattoos and stuff like that, everyone would be like, oh, if you're going to get a tattoo, you have to make sure it's basically the most important thing in the world because you never want to regret it. You know, it's going to be on you forever. Yeah. And at this point, I'm just like, I want, I just want my favorite animal. Like, yeah, like, that's, that's 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 fine. That's the thing that I want the most right now is just a, a tattoo of a goat because I love goats a lot. And then uh, totally fine. And then uh, uh, yeah, it's it's like uh, on one hand, it's like yeah, I want to you know take care of my body and you know I don't want to like get something that I'm going to regret. But on the other hand, it's like well, it's my body. <laughs> I can yeah, I, I can control it in the way that I want to. And if I want to put pictures on it, I'm going to do that and I'm going to look cool. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, I laughed at uh, I, I laughed at it because uh, I'm like 40 now, and I was thinking, ah, oh, of all these people who have said, oh, you know, a tattoo, tattoo will be on you for life. I'm like, I'm halfway through my life already. Right. You know, it's <laughs> at least you know, it's fine. I can put a tattoo on now. Right. And I've only got about like 15 years of good skin left, so we'd probably better make this count. <laughs> <laughs> it's also kind of interesting. You said your your uncle got got his tattoos a little later in in life. And yeah, yeah. part of me thinks that the older I get, the less I'll care. And I might just end up going like at some point, just like full body mod. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, like I mean, it's even more extreme than that. Kind of happening to me. Honestly, the, 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 the only thing that really uh, uh, puts me off about that is not the aesthetic consideration, but just how painful some of the stuff seems. <laughs> oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> I will 100% tell you that. I've only done like the left sleeve anyway you know uh the inside of your like where your arm bends like your, oh yeah yeah like, yeah the uh, ditch like yeah elbow that's pit. disgusting yeah 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 um and uh um, I, I mine goes into almost into the armpit the, i've got a rotor that's going up into there yeah, that was awful. yeah that's, a, that's uh, <laughs> that, there's like a lot of nerves and stuff there aren't there uh. there sure are <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't yeah i don't like pain so Me that's that's <laughs> yeah your your mileage may vary like mm-hmm. yeah i know people who do like pain and they love getting tattoos right yeah, yeah. that's what i was saying is like is like some people like come to like to some degree have like an addiction to just like the sensation of it and it's like you know they can't stop because it's like oh i gotta gotta go for it again but i don't i don't think i would be that kind of person <laughs> I, it, it would, it's something that I would be willing to tolerate. I don't think it's something that I would necessarily enjoy the process of. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, tattoo artist, he's like, you know, uh, look, think of it, you know, just remember this, even though the, it's going to hurt and it's going to suck. Once you're done, you got a sweet tattoo. Right. It's like, yeah, that does, that does help. <laughs> yeah. But um, I went to, I went to a tattoo convention um, like a couple of months ago. Cause that, that's the thing I do now. Um <laughs> And um, it's so funny, like, uh, imagine, like, going into PAX or something like that, but, you know, when you go in, you can hear just, like, 
this constant uh, buzzing of like tattoo machines just going. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah, remind me to never go to the drone convention. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm getting my, my left sleeve is pretty much almost done. Um, I'll do my right sleeve and I'm thinking of getting the torso. Wow. So we'll see how that goes. Going all in. I, yeah, I think, I think there I will stop. <laughs> I, I, but you know, as they say, <laughs> yeah, I could see, I could, I could probably see myself with like a full sleeve and then like a partial torso, like. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like if you, if you think of like a, a, an, some kind of RPG character with like an asymmetrical pauldron or something like that, mm-hmm. that like armor that yeah. just covers one arm. I feel like, I feel like I could go for that. Uh, and I just want animals. I just love animals a lot. And I just want to be, I just want goats and, <laughs> That's awesome. and like an yeah. octopus and maybe, cause I've seen like some really cool looking octopus tattoos. My artist has done a really cool octopus for someone. Mm. It's, it was, yeah. Gosh, God, now I even want it even more. I'm like, this is sorry. No, this is this is happening. This is happening within the next year, I hope, probably. <laughs> I need to make it happen. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um the to- the torso for me is probably is gonna gonna be uh Okami, you know, Emirates right. from the PS2 game. Yeah. So that'll be fun. We'll see how that works out. Awesome. If it uh if it happens in the next few weeks, send me a picture and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, no worries. Um I'm not sure. I could send you like um, the Meowth, uh, my existing tattoo stuff, because there'll be work, more work done on that. Yeah. But, um, the torso, I think, is going to take a little bit. going to be next month, month after that when we start. It's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that it hurts the most, like on like bone, like on, on like. Yeah, I, the, the ribs apparently are disgusting. getting tattoos right on your bones? That sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Haven't you seen Grim Fandango? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so first they have to open your skin to get to the bones and then they just cover it up when they're done they are tattoos that are just for you well see that's the that's the thing that i was saying is like it was like when i'm like 80 or something like that and i'm gonna go like full body mod it's like there's Mm. teeth tattoos there's like i i recently learned about eye tattoos which is apparently a thing uh where you where you you ink the, the the whites of your eyes to be a different color like wow. the pictures are like horrifying, but also like just so fascinating. And I'm like, oh my god! Apparently, there's like a really high chance that that you'll get infected and you'll go blind. But like by the time I'm 80, maybe they'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. they'll fix the cataracts. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I don't know. I don't know that I would ever go that far. But this stuff is still it's still really fascinating to me. Like like I know a lot of people who are like like very turned off by that kind of body mod stuff. It's like even if I personally would oh, never never actually do it. It's just, like I don't find it uh, aesthetically repu- repulsive, I guess. Uh, and I do actually yeah. really like split tongues. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh! You've just reminded me the guy from uh, the X Files, um, the j- covered in jigsaws, and he had the split tongue. I think, oh. and the uh, and uh, fangs as well. Is that the episode where Scully ate a bug? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Seen, I need to watch the X Files. I haven't seen it. That's a fun. That's a fun one. It still holds up. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yes. Yeah? Let's do it. My topic is, it's weird that some instruments you play with your hands and others you put in your mouth. <laughs> that is weird. Is it? I Well, <laughs> so <laughs> the two methods of interaction we have, and what, what's actually weird is that these are the only two methods, is you, you touch the instrument, you apply pressure or impact, or you, you, you apply airflow. And those are the only two ways we have... Uh, that that as far as I can tell, like I I tweeted this, and yeah. because I didn't phrase it right, everybody was like, "You, you there are some instruments you kick," um, <laughs> and like, "Yeah, you can use your feet." Untrue. Or like, <laughs> theremins exist exactly. And this is what I wanted to get into: is like, what are the instruments that actually have the weird like interactions that are don't fall into those categories? Like, I posited a theremin. Where uh, the pitch is controlled by how greasy your hair is, <laughs> <laughs> so it just keeps getting. It starts screaming higher and higher until you take a shower. <laughs> That's an alarm. Right. That's a dead alarm. <laughs> well, just, just a default theremin also doesn't fall into this category. You neither. Well, you play it with your hands, no. but you don't strike it. I guess. Right, right, and right. Can, it's just based on proximity, yeah, distance. Yeah. 
I will also just flag that the saxophone does have you using both your hands and your mouth. Yes. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think most of the instruments that you apply airflow, also you apply hand hand motions. Yeah, like the trumpet. Airflow and hand flow, the two important flows. Yeah. <laughs> hand flow, yes. <laughs> uh, one person pointed out, like, there's a distinction between, like, instruments you touch directly and instruments that have, like, a layer of indirection, like... Uh, when you bow a violin, that feels pretty different from like plucking the strings yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the stylophone. Oh yeah, you play it with a little stylus. That's right. Yeah, hence the name. Um, exactly. <laughs> it's a very stylish. But, um, I remember. I, I remember that from a because I remember hearing it in a um, a White Stripes song. Um, oh sure, it's yeah. A very distinct, uh, distinct uh, sound. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, like, what other things can the human body do? We can spit on stuff, uh, right? And th- and like that. Oh, spitting on things is like yes. You apply moisture, right? And you can do that on purpose. Like when I was thinking, I was that. That's where the hair thing came from. Was like, mm. well, we've got all these biological processes. Not that many are voluntary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yeah. Applying moisture is you could totally lick an instrument to play it, <laughs> and it, 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 the instrument only makes noise when it's wet, when it, or when it's in a, a certain degrees of wetness. So, like, yes, where it's very yeah. moist, and the less moist it is, the, the different tone it plays, or something like that. I was also thinking maybe yeah. more dis- more directly spitting on things where you know you know, like you walk into a salu- a saloon, old timey saloon, and you spit you spit in oh, the spittoon or a whatever, spittoon. and yeah. you just go. Ting. And you could just have like a yeah. bunch of different shapes and sizes of spittoons that produce different uh, pitches uh, all lined up. Oh my god! What would you call that? What do you call the the spit spittoon virtuoso? <laughs> See, I was going to say, um, oh, you could, you play the uh, the crystal glasses, but that's again using your hands, you know? Yeah, but it's also an interesting, another interesting interaction in that you're not striking; you're actually like causing. Um, Sympathetic vibrations, or not? Mm. I don't know what you call it, but you're like rubbing it to cause vibrations that are like uh, inherent to the to the like resonator. Resonate. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. could also okay. Crystals is a good good example. You can like typically you play it with your hands, but I think your fingers have to be wet, or you could just lick it. You could just lick. It. Yeah, <laughs> you could just lick. Save the- a step. <laughs> you're very excited about licking ah. things. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think this is this is the most important discovery that we've made uh, on this podcast is that licking things is a third way humans can interact with their environment. Oh, Melody Pops. Did you ever have those? What is that? Uh, no. Whoa, I think I know what you mean, though. I think I've had something with a different name. Yeah, so like we had these things called Melody Pops and they were like a – it was like a lollipop and it was shaped like a whistle and it also had a slider at the bottom and you would pull it up and down. And so you yeah. can make different tones using that. So not quite the licking. This is but- this is like when I found out that yes and no K N O W they have a different horrible pun where you're from for for that product. Oh, the um the Mister Mystery, Mister Mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I haven't heard of any of these. I things. love those. Oh, Mr. Mystery is the best. You've never played with yes and no? No. Yeah. I don't know what that is. This must be a generation gap thing. They're like little puzzle, like books full of like puzzles and riddles. You uh, interact with them by using a marker that reveals messages on the page, like invisible ink style messages. Mm. Imagine, if you will, a time before before, before portable video games and uh, of long car trips. Inconceivable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these books are amazing for that when you're a kid have any handhelds when it, when we went on road trips and stuff as a kid uh and i also got car sick very easily so i could even if i did I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to like look down at the screen uh so what yeah you would have to play ar games on the window <laughs> yes exactly yeah yes there was always just a ninja running alongside the car uh and jumping off of the <laughs> power lines and through the trees and stuff yeah i like the, i love the description of that as ar games <laughs> right yes ah, right <laughs> I said, I think in America they were called whistle pops. Whistle, whistle pops. That sounds right, vaguely yeah. familiar. So instead of a one terrible pun name in one country and another terrible pun name in another country, it's just two boring names. <laughs> yeah. We also had um, pencil pops, um, which were... Could you, you write with them? 
It's straight up, yeah. Like the um, you would finish off the the candy, and then the stick itself was a pencil. Um, and <laughs> yeah, lo- it's a I colored love- pencil. Could- I love the idea that these that there's just candies candy full of lead, <laughs> just like straight. Up. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would never fly. <laughs> like the FDA has rules about food containing non-food. Like they didn't even allow Kinder eggs here for years. Colored pencils. I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Did you ever have the um uh the candy cigarettes of varying kinds? <laughs> I have yeah. had those. Yes. Yeah. So we had like the uh the big boss cigars, which are like musk musk sticks. Um, I know those are not popular anywhere, but here I think um, musk sticks. Yeah, I never had the cigar candy. Yeah, they they rebranded them to Big Boss Dynamite, which I thought was very clever. So they're dynamite sticks now. Uh, chocolate cigarettes in, wrapped in rice paper that we had as well. Yeah. Which were very, very fancy looking, like very fancy, glamorous um, cigarettes. That's like the fact that I'm saying this, it's just horrifying that this is a thing. So they were like colored like cigarettes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and they they came in uh, in packets as well, like that looked like uh, rip off. Yeah, no, this was straight up. So like you could practice smoking before you were allowed to smoke. Yeah, you can pretend being an adult yeah, smoking. I, I never, yeah. I never had the kind that actually looked like cigarettes, but I do remember the, the kind that were just kind of like flesh colored sticks of a cigarette dimension. Oh, oh that's yeah, that's practicing something else. <laughs> <laughs> The most popular one, which are, are still around, um, there were small white candy sticks that had like a red tip on the end, and they came in like pack in a small packet, and they had you had about twelve of them. I'm not going to say what they were called initially, um, because in America <laughs> it's probably immensely rude. Um, but they had they got rebranded to Fads, F A D S. Uh, okay, and now they're Fads Fun Sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because we got a lot of our stuff um, imported from Britain, so you know the uh, the name of those of those things was not quite so offensive. What was the original topic again? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, instruments that you play with your hands right. and others you play with your mouth. Right, right. And yeah. that segued into like trying to come up with other things you could do. <laughs> right. And that that segued into like listing all the ways that humans can interact with their environment. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think I- I've exhausted my thoughts on this on this topic. Are <laughs> uh, we ready for the poem then? Let's do it. Would one of you like to volunteer to read this poem? Because my voice, I don't think, could handle talking for like two minutes straight. I like reading things out loud. Okay. All right. The Mushroom Hunters by Neil Gaiman. Science, as you know, my little one, is the study of the nature and behavior of the universe. It's based on observation, on experiment, and measurement the formulation of laws to describe the facts revealed. In the old times, they say, the men came already fitted with brains designed to follow flesh beasts at a run, to hurtle blindly into the unknown, and then to find their way back home when lost, with a slain antelope to carry between them, or on bad hunting days, nothing. The women, who did not need to run down prey, had brains that spotted landmarks and made paths between them, left at the thornbush and across the scree, and look down the, in the bowl of the half-fallen tree, because sometimes there are mushrooms. Before the flint club or flint butcher's tools, the first tool of all was a sling for the baby, to keep our hands free and something to put the berries and mushrooms in, and the roots and the good leaves and seeds and the crawlers, then a flint and pestle to smash, to crush, to grind or break. And sometimes men chased the beasts into the deep woods and never came back. Some mushrooms will kill you, while some will show you gods. And some will feed the hunger in our bellies. Identify. Others will kill us if we eat them raw and kill us again if we cook them once. But if we boil them up in spring water and pour away the water, and then boil them some more and then pour the water away, only then can we eat them safely. Observe. Observe childbirth. Measure the swell of bellies and the shape of breasts. And through experience discover how to bring babies safely into the world. Observe everything, and the mushroom hunters walk the ways they walk and watch the world and see what they observe, and some of them would thrive and lick their lips while others clutched their stomachs and expired. So laws are made and handed down on what is safe. Formulate. The tools we make to build our lives, our clothes, our food, our path home, all these things we base on observation, on experiment, on measurement, on truth, 
and science, you remember, is the study of nature and behavior of the universe, based on observation, experiment, and measurement, and the formulation of laws to describe these facts. The race continues, and early scientists drew beasts upon the walls of caves to show her children, now fat on mushrooms and on berries, what would be safe to hunt. The men go running on after beasts. The scientists walk more slowly over to the brow of the hill and down to the water's edge and past the place where all the red clay runs. They are carrying their babies in slings they made, freeing their hands to pick the mushroom. Thank you. Yeah. I thought this was neat. This reminded me of a, um essay by Ursula Le Guin. I think it was called uh, The Carrier Bag Theory of Fiction, which covered similar territory about how we tell stories about... Uh, men who go on the hunt, but it's not romantic and thrilling to talk about people who go foraging, who actually provide like 90% of our sustenance. Mm. Basically, all the fiction is about the sort of things that men do. And so like that becomes like our frame of reference as humans who consume stories of what people do. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. I really like this poem. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm still trying to process it. It's no gonna be expected. <laughs> That's fair. I like the description of of these early people as uh, you know ancestors as scientists, which is yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, like like of course, <laughs> all humans are born scientists. Mm, yes, mm. by necessity, right? Yeah, yeah, identification, observation, things like that. Not quite in the same like tone or vein, but. It, uh, Reminded me a little bit of of a uh, lyrics of a song by one of my favorite bands, uh, Granddaddy, called Taster, uh, mm-hmm. in which uh, the song is is basically about a, a I guess a king or noble noble person or whatever, uh, or is it like you know the people who tasted food for them, <laughs> uh, so that they could learn what not to eat. Oh yeah, and oh the food, uh, well food tasters, right? Yeah, yeah, just food tasters. What they're called yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and and just like the, how that's like a you know noble thing to to do. So it's like you know you you eat the food so that I can learn if it's poisoned, and uh, if you die, then that was the cost of knowledge. I don't eat that. Yeah, but like th- thank you for your <laughs> thank you for your work. You know that sort of thing. Great job until you die. Right. Yeah. I wonder how much they'd let you eat. The lyrics go, uh, put out the word, put out the word, we need a new taster. There's one king left <laughs> and so much food to eat. <laughs> the interception by the last one was absolute professionalism. <laughs> if he's laying there saying sorry, tell him it's okay, we learn this way. <laughs> I love granddaddy. Um, <laughs> but we could have cut it on that poem too. Do lyrics count as poems? I so we haven't done any song lyrics yet. Okay, I, I, but we could. I have so many more song lyrics in my head than poems. So if if the next time I'm on, <laughs> it is decided that lyrics are acceptable. So I started this segment because I just don't. I feel like poetry is an interesting medium that I don't think enough about, mm. and I think that's not the case for most people with song lyrics. I think most people do like listen to, mm. to and think about the song lyrics they hear, but I don't. Interesting. Like when I listen to music, where the words tend to just go in one ear and out the other. I'm listening to just the music, and if I'm listening to the the vocals, I'm listening to like the audio characteristics of the vocals, like maybe the emotional characteristics, right? The the voice as an instrument, as opposed to as like a delivery right. method of message. And so, just for me personally, I think uh, lyrics would work just fine for this segment because. It would be just as new to me and just as interesting. There are also lyrics that are at the intersection of song and poem, uh, you know, or like songs written by poets who are also write poetry and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, like all the all the people who work like lyrics first. They write the lyrics and then they write the song. The lyrics were a poem first, right? Yeah. Mm. Don't really know what more to say about this poem other than that I really like it a lot. Yeah, just just the the that's a that's a very good. Uh, point that i never really thought of just like the the way we frame like well society is informed by the myths that we've told and if all of our myths are coming from one particular subset of society like i mean obviously i think of i think about in in certain terms 
sort of Western, uh, you know, conquering the world and, and writing history and, you know, colonization, and all those yeah. sorts of things. Uh, but I never really thought of it as far back as just like the yeah. inception of like hunter gatherer society and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The other, the thing that comes to mind along those lines is um, for, for millennia, the, the funding behind like artists were paid by the church to do sacred work mm. or they were paid by like, kings and lords to do like songs about the the heroic accomplishments of those kings and lords right which is why our fiction is still obsessed with royalty right and what the royalty does like to this day even when you're not even if you know no king is paying you to write about them you still like that's the trope you go to because those are the that's the fiction you've been reading all your life that's wow that you just cracked a nut in my own brain <laughs> because that is definitely hurt? like like royalty and images of royalty are definitely something that i just like instinctively reach for whenever i'm like songwriting or, or anything like that or like you know world building even it's just like that's something that's like like uh king stuff like royalty stuff uh god stuff and the moon are like just my three default subjects how much did the moon pay for <laughs> to have that place in our psyches? I don't know. Like t- the moon just had really good marketing. It has really good like product placement. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, the moon has so much sky real estate. Pink Floyd. Yeah. Are we ready for another topic? I can do it. Sure. Ben, your topic is discovering how much butter and sugar is in your common or garden cake has filled me filled me with sheer horror. Oh yes. Yeah, this is this is terrifying. <laughs> so um, this is when uh, a I was watching Nailed It on Netflix, which was great fun. Um, uh, these those first couple of seasons um, where a bunch of people who think they can make uh, cakes but are not very good at it, but they try anyway, and everyone learns something, and everyone's supportive, and it's just like a really nice series. Um, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, it's really it's really nice. It's got um Nicole Byers hosting it. Um and she's 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 a lot of fun. That was how I first uh discovered Nicole Byers, which is really cool. Um and then she popped up in um The Good Place, which was cool too. She tag teams with a, a professional chocolatier uh called uh, Jacques Ther- Therese, I believe his name is. Yeah, initially when he was approached to do the show he's like i don't want to do a show where um people are being ridiculed um and they're like no 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 that's that's not the point of this show he's like oh you know so because what he wanted to do is like pass on you know like to give support and encouragement and to tell people that they can you know that they can do things which is a really awesome attitude to have um you know it's like even some of these people who are the, like the most terrible terrible cooks (laughs) he's like offering them advice and support and you know because like what he he explains throughout the the series is that there's very much a science to um to cooking and the reason why you you know uh beat you know you beat butter this this long and and why you do you know you add this many eggs and why you do that kind of stuff it's like the amount of uh, fat and sh- sugar and salt and all those kind of things are required to to say make the the cake rise or make you know to get this kind of scientific reaction in the oven. You know, um, you need to you need to follow the instructions and do it right. And the reason things don't work out is because they don't follow the instructions and they don't do it right. The guy who decides to um, melt butter by like putting it in the microwave. Uh, and um instead of like oh yeah it needs to be room temperature yeah 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 he just like atomizes it and it's this just bubbling liquid and it obviously doesn't work but yeah um while watching that and then i'm like look if these people can make make cakes then so can i you know Uh, how (laughs) how difficult can it be and um so i i just you know i made a couple of cakes and one thing i really really noticed like like i said in the topic is that just this so much sugar and so much butter in um in a in a cake. Yeah, you you know your initial your initial cake itself has butter and sugar in it, and like not not an insignificant amount. Um, I don't have a recipe on me, but yeah. It's, oh yeah, and then you look at the icing, and that's almost all butter. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, buttered icing. It, 
uh, frosting, I think they call it, you know, where it's like, now yeah. make your frosting. And it's like, get your, get your butter and, and start um, whipping it up. And, and now pour icing sugar in there. So it's yep. nice and smooth. Yep. And now put more butter and more, <laughs> more sugar and then put some milk in and then more sugar. And you just like frost the entire goddamn cake. And then they're like, and don't forget to put that between layers, each layers of cake. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh yeah. God. And then and then uh, fondant goes on top as well to sm- smooth it out <laughs> and make it look nice, right? Which is just you know solid sugar. That's that's gilding the lily. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like yes, these things look beautiful. Um, the particularly the professional ones, they look beautiful, but to the point where they are almost in inedible, <laughs> inedible. Like it, it, you know, yeah. Out. No, these are these are cakes for people to jump out of. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. It's a good album. Pack. There was a, a really cool cake they did where it was like a Dr. Zeus cake, uh, like a Dr. Zeus um, green eggs and ham table. Um, and it was like this kind of misshapen, you know, that, that real Dr. Zeus style where the, the the lines are all wobbly and, um, you know, everything's kind of askew. It was really cool. Um, and they used, they did, it was a three-layer cake and they used a Kool-Aid powder to make the... Um, the different layers so they had these vivid colors um and and kool-aid flavors as well so i was like, thought that was really clever but obviously i can't do that here because i don't have access to kool-aid um but yeah it was just really interesting to see they're like here's how you, you know you've got a grape layer and a, and a strawberry layer um i bet you could do it with food coloring or something like that food coloring yeah the tricky bit though is getting that that intense um flavoring because um i tried i've got um some flavorings for like um icing but it's not really enough and you've got to be careful with how much you put in because if you put in too much um it just tastes like artificial yeah so it's it, it's a very tricky thing especially if you've never done it before and you're doing a cake for the first time and then you're like this tastes terrible i have to throw the whole thing out um yeah <laughs> But um, one thing I did learn from uh, Nailed It, which is really cool, which is how to marble a cake. You split your cake mix in half, like two bowls, and then you put, you know, you color one color in one bowl and one color in the other bowl. And then you pour those, um, you gently pour those in the in the um, cake tin and you get a, um, like a wooden skewer or, or an, a knife, even like a butter knife or something like that. And you just gently... Um, drag it through your cake tin and it sort of um, like distorts it and um, makes patterns as you go through. And so when you bake the cake and, and you cut the cake in pieces, you've got this sort of marbled um, texture when, you, um, when you've when you got it all um, served up, which is really cool. You can do it like the more colors you do it, the more fun it is. Like I did a rainbow one, my brother, and that's like five different colors um, and just looks so cool. And it's surprisingly easy. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, the butter thing it go it it goes deeper. Like there's a there's a whole butter iceberg where like just just about any food you get in a restaurant mm. that you love and you try to make it at home and you're like why why isn't it as good as they made it in the restaurant? And the answer is they used three times as much butter as you did. Absolutely. Yeah, that mm. does sound like like that a thing you would say. Yeah. Are <laughs> we ready for another topic? Sure thing. Tyreek, your topic is a public call to action for the creation of violence slash threat jazz as a genre. So I've had this style of music in my head for a while that I haven't heard and I want to exist. And I feel like it I, I, it might exist out there somewhere, but if it does, I haven't heard it and I haven't, I haven't like found the right search terms to find it. Uh, so a little bit of backstory, uh, uh, several years ago, I went on kind of a kick of just, uh, searching for music by putting death in the front of any other genre name. <laughs> so like death metal and so Yeah. Cause there's death metal and it was like, okay, yeah. everybody knows yeah. about death metal, but what is death country? Uh, and then I searched death country and it came up with, a, with a few really interesting bands that I still listen to, like the goddamn gallows and, um, those those poor bastards, which are just kind of like really like dark sort of uh, uh, plotting kind of like, like not even plotting, but just like, I don't know, 
imagine country music if it was more satanic i guess but <laughs> or just like sure. or just like like from the perspective of somebody who's a consummate sinner and 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 is like you know not not really uh, interested in i don't know whatever country music is usually about uh driving trucks and repenting i don't know uh i don't listen to non death country music very much uh but i found i found i found death country and that was pretty cool uh and I think I looked up a few other ones. I can't remember whether they turned up anything good or not. Um, but Death Jazz is one that I looked up. And it did return a few bands, but they were mostly just like just normal jazz bands that just happened to have like a high intensity. Uh, like one of them is a Japanese jazz band called Soil and Pimp Sessions that I found. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I really, I really enjoy them, but they're just kind of, you know, it's just, it's, I, I wouldn't say there's much death about the jazz. It's just like high energy jazz music. Since I looked up death jazz and it didn't turn out, turn up like what I was hoping for, I've just been wanting to hear what I would describe as death jazz, which is just kind of like, uh, like wild kind of like, like Miles Davis, Ian, uh, like, like, or, or you know, Coltranian. I get the two of them mixed up. I can never remember which one is the more uh, like uh, person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the technical term. <laughs> sure. I can never remember which one. I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. One, one of yeah. them. One of them is the is the. You know, and so I'm just picturing that, and just kind and of what's like the other one. Like, just let's get your impression of the other one. The other one. Uh. uh I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Unfortunately, I don't know enough to answer your question yeah, either. I, I can't. I can't. I, I should know this. I, as much as I love music, I'm very bad at committing musicians to my memory and knowing who they are. I will listen <laughs> to music. I will like, like, l read all the lyrics. I will learn all the words to the song. But if it comes to like the actual person that made the music, I know nothing about them generally as a rule. Uh, like a lot of times I like talk to people who like listen who are like really into music and they'll like be like telling me like, Oh yeah, this, my favorite band, they like broke up for three years and then got back together. But there was like an incident between the band leader and his, and his drummer's girlfriend and that sort of thing. It's like, like they'll like know all like the inside scoops of the drama behind the scenes of, of like the creation of a specific album. You don't want to find out about like the musician's life <laughs> yeah, I just... or all the ways that they're horrible people, but knowing like who wrote a song or knowing what a performer can help you find other songs like the one you like. I do find it amazing that people, there are certain people who are, who are just like can consume that kind of information about like a, a band or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, I found music. Now let me find out everything about this. It's not, this it's not even everything. It's like, a lot of times I'll like, I'll, I'll either have been like granddaddy. Uh, I, I, they've been like one of my favorite bands since I was in high school. I've listened to them like every, every one of their albums all the way through. I know so many of the lyrics I sing along. I don't know where they're from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's like, that's like a, that's like a surface level information that people generally expect. Yeah. And bands will like fake accents. So sometimes you can't even tell with that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Death Jazz, uh, which I think previous Topic Lord Stevie, I, as I was describing to him, uh, this this thing that I want to exist, uh, uh, retitled it Threat Jazz, which I like a lot more. <laughs> Just kind of like, but but then uh, uh, one of the things that, that I, I associate with like death metal and like just kind of like hard hard styles of metal and stuff is the the double kick. Do, 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 just very fast kick drum, you know, underneath everything. And, uh, and like maybe like some distortion on stuff, but like, I don't know, like just, just this kind of like very fast, frenetic double kick jazz, uh, is what I want to hear. And I haven't found anyone that makes it. And I, 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 I want it to exist. And if anybody wants to make it, you're welcome to do so. I, I so I don't. I don't have an answer for you, but when you say like frenetic double kick jazz, I think of like snarky puppy. Do you think uh, when I first saw this um, uh, topic, I saw violent and threat jazz, and my mind initially went to um, like West Side Story 
for some reason. West Side Story. Like just yeah, just like where the two the two um, groups are like. Uh, oh, just like oh, just like like snapping at each other. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah! Wow, oh, man, like. Oh, now, see, now I want to see an entirely different thing, which is, like, combat music. <laughs> yeah. Where the where the musicians are actively, like, combating each other as they play their music. <laughs> uh, just, that like... Right. Yeah, that would be pretty... That would be pretty entertaining. Which also brings to mind the dude that I will never forget about in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. You know, uh, m- post-apocalyptic mu- movie about water scarcity and, and, and whatever. Uh in which one of the cars or trucks or whatever of the villain's caravan just has a dude playing a flaming guitar on top of it for no re- yeah. no yeah. in-world reason <laughs> other than that it's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean it, it's just like, you know, you got a you got a drummer to to drive you forward in your military in your military yeah. outfit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I guess drummers used to be a thing, and in the, in the post-apocalypse, they've just been replaced by uh, uh, dudes just wailing on on sick guitar riffs that uh, are also. Then the guitar is also a flamethrower. Yeah, <laughs> just like fully on a stage as a part of this caravan chasing the 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 protagonists, uh, and he's like strapped in so he doesn't fall off. I guess, uh, but he's a, a yeah yeah very very entertaining character in the post-apocalypse. I want to be that guy. Yeah, and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. Okay. <laughs> uh, Tyreek, if there's something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at 4 Friday on Twitter or Instagram, I guess. I don't really post on Instagram. I'm 4 Friday everywhere, all spelled out with letters. No no numbers, no no numerals, I should say. Uh, F-O-U-R-B-I-T-F-R-I-D-A-Y. <laughs> that's me. Oh, also... <laughs> Uh, oh. But my my oh. my musician name, I guess, is different, which is F R R O R, and I haven't put anything out for a while ever since the last thing. But maybe maybe I'll do something soon. Error with an F dot com. That'd be cool. Is where you can find inspired that by topic your t- your most recent topic lords appearance. Uh, and Ben, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? If you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can do that. Um, I am Cosmology B, so with a K. Uh, so cos k o s mology b um and if you want to look at me on instagram which is i don't know that might be a thing you can do that too uh, i think that's the same oh i had to put a full stop there. so it's cosmology full stop b because somebody apparently has that other one <laughs> <laughs> on my instagram i have like photos of my tattoos and um me using philips hue lights um on video games and all sorts of random stuff Oh, and you can see my cats too. So that might be fun. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!